This is a Media Lab podcast. Welcome to Kyle vs. the Machine. My name is Kyle. And I'm Dave. And I'm the Machine. I'm tired is what I am, Kyle. I'm tired. Well, maybe you can go get your energy up doing some uh, fast fists and wow. quick feet. Fast fists. <laughs> no, that's good, yeah. See my sound effects? I'm Disgusting. doing my exaggerated sound effects as I, <laughs> as I move around this podcast space. This is a podcast where a sentient machine is forcing us each season to watch movies from a specific year in order to prevent it from starting the apocalypse. We happen to be in the year 1982. The machine still threatens our lives if we don't review the films it asks us to, although we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. And today, we're going to be watching the film Dragonlord. Wer ist der Actionstar Nummer 1? Wer ist Meister des Kung Fu? Logisch, natürlich Jackie Chan. Er beherrscht die wildesten Tricks und lässt seine Gegner immer blass aussehen. Jackie Chan ist Dragon Lord. Hier geht es richtig zur Sache. Hier sind Action und Abenteuer angesagt und ein Massenspektakel, das sich die Balken bieten. Big thank you to our patrons over on Patreon. Their contributions help us continue the show since the machine you know, doesn't help us pay for these movies. Plus, each month we do a bonus episode over there. There's a lot of synchronicity in a way because this mm -hmm, month mm -hmm, we're going to mm -hmm. be talking about The Big Boss, a Bruce Lee film. Mm. Uh, the person yeah. who, uh, you know, ushered in maybe America's interest in Kung Fu films, I might argue. Mm. But maybe you know a better history of Kung Fu as uh, portrayed in America. No, I, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. He probably brought the interest. I think Jackie Chan took on that mantle and probably uh, entrenched it a little bit more. But we'll, mm. we'll get into that here in a moment. Before we do, we should advance the plot of our deep and rich fiction that we yes. have here each and every week on Kyle and Dave versus the Machine. It's important. It's an important device. We've had this specter, this kind of like phantom-like person that has been haunting our arcade emporium. Remember that we also are running an arcade? No. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we own this arcade because we were trapped here in literally the year 1982. But, you know, this uh, uh, dentist, D.D. Hess, D.D.S. Right, yes. Had... You know, com not commandeered, but she was subletting a section of this building that we found okay. and started to embezzle money from us, the yes. the entrepreneurs of this fair city. You're not a smart criminal. Not a lot there to, sh to shave off of. Yeah. yeah. And, and then when I confronted her, she, you know, of course, jabbed me in the neck with some Novocaine, ran off, and now has been leaving these cryptic post-it notes mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. so long. Yeah. D Genius. D you, you mentioned last week that it, it's kind of like a flip book. Hmm. She's left here for us, so... Are you going to flip it? Let's, let's flip it. So, soon you will die, but be reborn, find your inner strength. Oh, my God. Dim sum, bow... Why, why is your lunch order inside of these here, Dave? Yikes. Yikes. Is that where we went with that? 
What's wrong with dim sum? I'm down for uh, dim sum. All right. We went with uh, Chinese food. Good. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. What's, whoa. What's wrong with Chinese food? <laughs> so wait, what are we doing? My my lunch orders on the post-it note flip book that Dee Dee Hess. Yeah. Why, why did you put your stuff in here at the same time? This seems like a, a bad organizational skill set from you. Maybe we have to keep just... the cryptic messages in one area, your lunch order in a second. It's kind of neat, though, because if you keep flipping, the uh, the pieces of food start to get animated, and they start doing things. It's Kyle. the uh, let's all go to the lobby little video animation, except it's like a little bow bun. Doing a strip tease, yeah, it's it's great. It's just it's what you it's everything you want in a flip mm-hmm. book. Now I'm hungry. Now I really <laughs> want <laughs> that. Well, I'm sure that will become important as we go through the rest of the season. Uh, sounds like a major. Yeah, it's a major piece. <laughs> major, major uh, piece. You're both such dolls. Dave, I think before we get into talking about this movie, there's a few things I think we should maybe learn our own histories of. Just very broadly. Broad. Kung Fu. Kung Fu films. Kung Fu films. What is your history with Kung Fu films? I've watched a lot of them. Oh, you need more? Great. Mm-hmm. Who, who are your guys <laughs> or, or girls, I guess? Like, who is it the people you like watching well, the most? I don't know. Um... They're all the people that came over here. I think mm-hmm. in Hong Kong, they're all the same folks. They just had a bigger career. So when I'm growing up, you know, Bruce Lee's first because like you said, he's so successful at, in, he was so successful at entrenching himself in American culture. So mm-hmm. even when I was a kid, everybody has heard of Bruce Lee or uh, Kato or something, something right, that he's right. portrayed. I certainly wouldn't have watched Game of Death or some of his more... Uh, right. I mean, they were still popular, but, you know, but it's Enter the Dragon. Everybody knows Enter the Dragon. Everybody knows Green Hornet. So, at least people of my age. And then from there, I think uh, between having uh, friends from Hong Kong, uh, shout out to John Chu who doesn't listen to this podcast, and um, in Toronto, unlike here, I'm sure... The local, there was a channel, fuck, I don't remember what it's called. I think it used to be Channel 4, but it moved to Channel 11. On Saturdays, they had Asian, it was like an Asian mm. channel. So they would show either Hong Kong or Indian uh, content. And so a lot of these classic Hong Kong horror comedy and action films were played there on Saturday nights. And so between that and bootleg rips that, uh, rips that uh, John would get at the local, uh, you know, Chinese video store or whatever, I grew up first uh, watching a lot of Jackie Chan movies, Sammo Hung, Yun Bao, and then Jet Li, Donnie Yen a little bit. I mean, he started coming in as I was leaving mm-hmm. uh, the sort of... Uh, Hong Kong cinema world. Yeah, so I've watched a lot of Jackie Chan movies. I've watched a lot of Jet Li movies. I've watched uh, a lot of some. Who's your favorite? Jackie Chan's the greatest package. I mean, he does everything. So he can be a complete idiot, but he is, he has the craziest body control. I was telling Kyle off mic, if you really want to see his best work, Drunken Master 2 is insane. The things that he does in that movie are emulated in every film he's ever done, but that is like the culmination right, of right. everything that he's so good at in one film. And like, uh, what the what's the video game? There's a video game with drunken boxing. It's all modeled after oh, okay. that movie. Yeah, and then Jet Li was big. Once Upon a Time in China series and him breaking into the US market as well. With but he didn't do much for comedy, right? Like he was more no, no dramatic. Comedy. It's all drama, all action only. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looks like a little kid. He's not even <laughs> romance 
right? Like he's small. Right. He a lot of these guys know their role. So like Jackie Chan generally doesn't play like the hero's hero. Like he understands he's not uh, pretty. Right. He has to figure out a different way to topple yeah. the big man. Yeah. So he's good. And like the Bruce Willis thing, he's also really good at getting beat up. Uh, which Jackie Chan, uh, Jet Li doesn't really do as well. That's part of martial arts cinema, but there's something with Jackie Chan. Like, I think in every movie, he nearly dies, not just from the stunt work. I'm pretty sure his character nearly dies in every single one of his movies. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, that's my truncated version. Well, yeah. So you definitely have a much more extensive history with Kung Fu filmmaking than I do. To be really honest, I think growing up, my introduction to Kung Fu filmmaking was it as a joke, like you would see it be sent up on like a comedy film or a TV show or something like that as being, you know, kind of this silly thing where the, the, the lip sync didn't necessarily match all that well. And he had like the long mustaches, that sort of thing. That was really my first introduction, I think. Rumble in the Bronx was my first introduction to Jackie Chan. Mm, yep. um, and I think that was when I was like, oh, wait a second. There's actually more to this and i didn't really put two and two together until a couple decades later i think why i so was like this week well no what i was so uh, why, <laughs> why i think i love kung fu films and action and good action films is because i'm also a huge fan of of musicals and choreography and movement and they both have to have that you have to have body control you have to have a stamina to it and when you are able to capture that on film I think there's nothing better than seeing someone perform something like, how are they doing that? Like, this is crazy that they're able to perform these things. Whether that's, you know, Gene Kelly uh, dancing up a storm. We're like, how is he not dying from he's doing what he's doing? Yeah, he never seems to sweat. Right. It's kind of weird, right? Versus like Jackie Chan just ran up a chain link fence. I have no idea how he just did that. Oh, that's <laughs> that's like amazing. The easiest thing he can do. I know. I know. I but know. I'm just saying like being you know, that type of stuff just like I think makes me so interested to see what, what is going to happen in the next scene sort of thing. I just like blood. University is when I kind of started to, through illegal means, have better access of downloading films and seeing stuff they just did not have access to in a small town in Alberta, Canada. It's Rocky Mountain House. You can you can name it. Yeah. It's I just like Rocky people Mountain think it's a made up place. So I'm just saying, I'm just going <laughs> to say it's made, Alberta. It is made up place. That's when I got into Bruce Lee. And like, I got really into Bruce Lee. Now, part of that I do think is because I find him very attractive. But, yeah, he's a cool but, looking guy. But secondarily to that, feet of strength and, and choreography and all that kind of stuff, I, it just it just spoke to me in a way. Uh, Angel of the Dragon is probably, if I was to make a list of my favorite films of all time, would be probably in my top 20, 25 films oh, of all time. Like, I like it it's that It's like much. a finger pointing to mm -hmm. the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger. We miss <laughs> all the heavenly glory. And I know that movie very well, too. Yeah, I just, I just love that movie a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, yeah, I think that was also the time when Jackie Chan was also, you know, doing the Rush Hour and Shanghai New and all that kind of stuff. He was making his second play into, in the 90s, yeah. into America and stuff like that. And that's kind of where my knowledge ends, is that those two, I have never seen a Jet Li Hong Kong film or oh, like Kung Fu film. I have only seen the first Ip Man of Donnie Yen. So like yeah. I'm talking like I, I know very oh. little about like the whole history of of Kung Fu. Well, the Kung Fu movies pre-exist, of course, Jackie Chan. But I think one of the things that define Jackie Chan versus Jet Li is there's no wire work or very little. Mm -hmm. Whereas Jet Li, Jet Li was actually trained in a Shaolin temple, but Jackie Chan was, to your point, trained as essentially a dancer. I mean, there's martial arts yeah. always incorporated any stage training. Like Michelle Yeoh was a dancer. Right. She was not yeah, yeah. Uh, trained as a martial artist. So, you know, they're basically acrobats 
Jet Li and uh, his little team, Yun Bao and uh, Sam Hung. It's just that being an acrobat in Asia means you study Kung Fu. Or as Jet Li is why he doesn't do comedy as well. If you ever watched his, you know, like offhand videos, his foot and hand speed don't make any sense. Like he mm. can, he can do things like Bruce Lee is so famous about bringing in like how cool he is. So he's mythologized a lot, yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, of course each nurse gets better. And then Don Yuan is this kind of, if you mixed Jackie Chan and Jet Li into one scary human being and he could do both some comedy, but he's faster and more powerful than any other martial artist who ever pre-existed right, right, right. him. Don is one of those guys where I probably would pick him in an actual fight Whereas these other guys, I don't think they would actually fight in like a MMA ring or something like that. But Daniel's fucking nasty, man. He's scary. Not, not to completely derail this. Did you, did you ever see um, Rogue One, the Star Wars yeah. movie? So Donnie Yen shows up in that film as like this, yeah. you know. Blind Jedi or whatever. Blind Jedi, barely in the movie. When I watched that movie, I was like, that's the movie I want to see. I want to see a whole yeah. movie of just that. And and then where that, I don't care uh, about any of the Skywalker stuff. It's just that movie. Yeah. Um, and they've yet to give it to me and I'm disappointed. I'm surprised he hasn't done more in America because he can speak English and he's a reasonably good actor. But mm -hmm. I think that after Jet Li started crashing here, America hasn't been ready to take a gamble on uh, Asian yeah, stars. Yeah, I mean, so. so there's two things that I, I want to bring up. One, this, the, the broad like Kung Fu influence in 90s culture which i was thinking about this week because i mean very famously wu-tang clan love kung fu stuff put all like the sound bites and stuff into their music they've directed kung fu movies some of the members have like they're in it they, they love that they're not that good style. movies but Fair enough. I'm just saying, influence something, a group that Sorry, was Rizzo. super influential into 90s culture and beyond. But the other thing I was thinking of too, of other kung fu films from like late 70s, early 80s, there's this thing that they like to use, which is like this huge like fisheye lens on the ground pointed up. And it's like, those are skateboarding videos. Like there must have been something that influenced from that to skateboarding videos in the 90s where it's like the exact same thing in the exact same location. Or it's just, by huge coincidence that they use the exact same thing. Well, a lot of, I mean, I think it's somewhat of a coincidence. I think it's cheap cameras and no mm -hmm. training. So a lot of the old, I mean, old cinema is like this in general. We have, we're spoiled North America's cinema is essentially developed here, at least modern uses mm -hmm. of camera and, you know, all those tricks date back to like the 20s and 30s. But, you know, in these developing countries, you see this in much of Asian cinema, like uh, Korean movies were essentially un insufferable. I know I got in trouble saying that once leading into the 80s, but- Sorry, which were insufferable? Korean movies. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, and it's a lot like the technology that they have access to, the type of cameras they have, and then how they use those cameras had not really brought in all of the learned history that we see in American film. Chinese films, same thing, like we're about to talk about Dragon Lord. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, it's not without its problems. And, you know, these guys basically were just like, oh, we're going to make a movie. Let's grab a camera and let's go and beat each other it. up and see what happens. Uh, and because of the Chinese opera history, they could get cool costumes. That's why most of them were period pieces right. uh, set in like, you know, 17th century, 16th century China instead of modern stuff. It was very difficult for them to get to the point where Jackie Chan could jump uh, in a mall through these uh right M most of these films are lost now but it's very similar to like very early hollywood films 
Right. Where the first things that were made, yeah. stuff that was made in theater because they had access to all the props and everything. So you could just go and shoot it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it. yeah. Yeah. Like basically on a stage. Yeah. Yeah. So you've already kind of detailed your history with Jackie Chan. The other thing I wanted to add in is that it's very interesting for doing a bit more research here this week. We've talked about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Um, already here a couple weeks ago for Conan. And then going back even to Bruce Lee, that all three of them had somewhat of a similar thing that happened, which is Bruce Lee is kind of the big question mark, right? Because he is doing well, uh, doing Chinese film, makes a play in America, and it kind of spits him out because, yeah, he's relegated to being Kato for the Green Hornet. He's like the doesn't say anything sidekick. So he kind of leaves disenfranchised from Hollywood, goes back, makes a masterpiece, but was kind of coming back to Hollywood. So I wonder if he would have hit big don't know have no idea don't there's no way to say any, either way i don't think but jackie chan does do that uh and schwarzenegger does that too where their first time they come they crash and burn uh jackie chan specifically was in these two films one of them being the cannonball run which is like a known travesty and he's like i don't want anything to do with hollywood they don't know what to do with me i'm done goes back to china kind of learns how to direct sorry some huge Kong. films goes back to hong kong that's okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Goes back to Hong Kong. Um, see, I'm a stupid <laughs> white guy. I have no idea. Uh, I'm going to make this mistake for the entire podcast. It's not technically a political mistake anymore, but it was Hong I Kong know. at the time. Yeah. But, you know, both Schwarzenegger and Jackie Chan have this history of coming to Hollywood, crashing and burning, going away, kind of rebuilding their careers, and then jumping back in and being like, hey, I'm kind of a big deal. And then having at least a bit of success for... For a while. I would say Schwarzenegger maybe for a longer time period in total. Well, he's here. He didn't go back to make Austrian films. True. I don't know. Clint Eastwood's the same thing. Who else? I mean, there's a lot of stories like that. I, I, don't, I don't know what point you're driving at connecting all of them, but I think that... Just that we've been talking about them here. Yeah. Uh, both, both Schwarzenegger and uh, uh, Jackie Chan here in the last few weeks. I mean, when we learn about a lot of these actors, I think that's just how this industry works. Schwarzenegger was just lucky that he had uh, his millions of dollars to fall back right. on and he wasn't living in a car like Charlize Theron, for example. I can't, still can't get over the fact that she was homeless for a little bit. And Jack Chen could, could return to Hong Kong and work with his buddies to, to just do something. I don't think his intention was ever to come back to America necessarily to conquer it. Um, but right. when the opportunity arises, uh, why not? They just like throwing money at things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Schwarzenegger is the kind of guy where, as we learned, I mean, he had a when he left Austria, he's like, I'm going to take over America. I mean, that was his goal. His goal. Yeah, I think he was much more intentional about it, yeah. right? Like he, he had a plan. I had to be here. I'm going to do this. Whereas thing. Jackie Chan more is like, it's an opportunity, so I might as well take it while they're offering I think it to so. me. I mean, I don't know what brought him to America in the first place, but I think everybody not living in America in the 70s thought America was supposed to be this... Mm -hmm. idyllic place and uh look at them now kyle look at them set themselves on fire fucking idiots man a lot of them i don't know what you're talking about america is the best country in the world they keep saying that so how could it be wrong i think we should just bring up briefly i know this has no bearing on this movie in particular but jackie chan is a bit of a problematic figure if we're talking 2022 now? yeah as far as his like alliance with the communist party of china supporting some of their their goals and some of their more like i'm gonna call it like racist uh pushes <laughs> into that country he is not without his own controversy here in recent years well, all the actors and celebrities to this weird standard. Helen was just telling me that one of the Jenner sisters got made fun of because she doesn't know how to cut her own food with a fucking knife. And yet she's a billionaire and people think that they have to emulate every part of her life. I mean, and I would make fun of her too. But. So like, 
you know, Jackie Chan is famous for getting punched in the face for real. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when Hong Kong moved over to China, there's going to be two things at play. One, I mean, he's already, I think he's got a problem with having a fair, like he's like a human being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had a daughter of wedlock and kind of had, didn't have anything to do with her basically is what I get the sense of. And number two, I don't know if you know this, Kyle, but if you're not pro-China, you kind of disappear, literally. No, I get it. Yeah. So, (laughs) there are a lot of pressures, particularly for celebrities coming out of Hong Kong during the changeover. So, from 99 until now, uh, you're not really allowed to say anything in the first place. (laughs) You'll never get a job again. There's a lot of complexity to being Asian that North American people don't understand. You know, Korea is the same thing. You know, you say the wrong thing about Pyongyang or China or Japan and you will blacklist yourself. So... Uh, and the same goes for Japanese people saying certain things or whatever it is. So, I mean, I've been in situations where I basically had to be like, yeah, fuck Trudeau, right? I know. <laughs> like, yeah, kill him. <laughs> oh, God. Now, I don't know why I make fun of America so much. We have a, we have our share of fucking morons here, too. Mm-hmm. I uh, Be whatever side of the political fucking divide you want to be. But if you hang a 20-foot fucking you know, flag that says, I'm going to kill our prime minister, you have problems. Like there's something wrong with you emotionally and psychologically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can dissent without loudly proclaiming that you want to harm another human like being. the death of the other person. Yeah. Yeah. You're a couple of weak-minded centrists. As far as this movie goes, before this week, have you ever heard of it? No. No, yeah. surprisingly. I'm kind but, of in the same way. Although to be perfectly fair... I have not heard of the majority of the films. I have noticed that Jackie Chan is in. I read up yeah. his entire IMDb. I'm like, oh, I should say, I have watched Police Story and is one of my favorite films. Too. I love Police it's Story okay, a yeah. whole heck of a yeah. lot, which yeah. came after this movie. But besides that and uh, Project A, weirdly enough, I do know, mm. uh, although I've never nice. watched it. Oh, I got to watch that movie. Yeah. But yeah, I've not heard of I've any been texting of you. I've been texting you pics. Yeah. This is the only one. Oh, Drunken Master. I, I, know, I know of Drunken Master. Yeah. I've watched the first one back in university i don't really remember a whole lot of it to be really honest second one's the one yeah fearless hanging is good but yeah besides those few ones it's like i don't know any of these titles these titles have no cultural relevance to me so they haven't been released here right Mm -hmm. unless now i don't think you can even stream them i don't know who holds the rights to this stuff actually you know what weirdly i mean that's not it's not a huge number but like four or five of them are on tubi i found out oh yeah like yeah if you just were it's like oh well if you want to watch commercials and watch this kung fu movie you can criterion's got six that i've never heard of before is, yeah. yeah except for this not, one weirdly yeah, enough blue stories like, on there yeah but the first two and then the next three are on criterion but not this one but this one i've never heard of and i think we'll talk about it for some good reason like mm. and i was texting mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. to these the three of them and and hong kong cinema in general pump out so many movies a year so they're not all good yeah <laughs> Well, well, let's get into discussing that here in uh, just a moment. Let's take a break. We'll go thank some sponsors. And then when we return, we'll be diving into Dragon Lord. Did you ever do Hacky Sack when you hacky were Hacky Sack? No, uh, were, but... Were you a Hacky Sack person? You, you didn't do that in uh, high school? No, I went to a very white, uh, very upper uh-huh. class high school. So oh. a lot of Hacky Sack. As one of the smaller uh, minority groups, we didn't really sack you know, we just hung out and did stuff on the side. You hackied, but you didn't I also, sack. I was playing sports and studying uh, some martial arts, so I thought it was fucking ridiculous. Oh, okay. But I didn't you were know, cool is what you're saying. Well, I wasn't that cool because all the cool kids were hacky sacking. I just mm-hmm. thought that they were idiots. This is a big deal. I don't know if it predates the 90s, maybe in America, but yeah, I'm not oh sure. my God, dude. That and Ultimate Frisbee, I thought was such a joke, but that was huge. Now there's leagues of Ultimate Frisbee, Yeah, Dave. 90s, 2000s, my God. 
That's today. like a sport. Yeah, I was um, so wrong. I, I don't know what happened there during like the, the mid to late 90s. Like, Hacky Sack was like the biggest thing, yeah. it seemed, for the longest time. It, it lasted for a while. I even had one myself because I wanted to fit in. Could not do it for the life There's of no me. Way. I just have no eye-hand coordination no. whatsoever. You're too, you're too lanky, dude. I mean, the hacky sack would have to travel such a large, large distance. I think I'm too fat, but whatever. Designed for short Asian people. <laughs> this will all make sense as we get into the talking about the movie, but Colin Day vs. the Machine is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. The Alberta Podcast Network promotes and supports Alberta-made podcasts and connects their audiences with Alberta-based businesses and organizations. This week, Dave... This episode is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. You know, in Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. Park Power has low overhead, which in turn allows them to offer low competitive rates. Reach out for a no-obligations comparison by emailing. I'll let you get your pen and paper. That's just the second year. Okay, I found some post-it notes. Estimates at parkpower.ca. That's the email you want to send it into. If you decide to switch, it's easy. It's really just a change to your billing, and you can feel good knowing that you are helping to give back to our communities with your utilities bills. Learn more at, I'll let you write this down again. Just one second. Okay. Parkpower.ca. What do you have for me? Oh, right. I have to read something. So our our other sponsor is Taproot Publishing. Nope. Our other sponsor is Taproot Spotlight. It's a service that helps businesses and organizations pay attention to the people they serve. Taproot tells you the news about the people and companies that are important to you. Use that information internally to keep everyone on the same page. Or share it with the world in your newsletter. We need a newsletter. We should. Uh, on your website, which we also don't have, it's Kyle. It's binary, the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> and your social media channels. Paying attention pays dividends. Find out more at taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. That's taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. I'll have to run that at like 1.25 mm. speed because uh, it took me a while. I like Spotlight, the movie. Well, Dave, we've just watched this movie called mm-hmm. dragon lord i always say this and then i'm sort of proven wrong but i do feel we're setting ourselves up for kind of a big argument here mm-hmm. just based once again on a bit of your huffing and puffing i had to uh endure, endure. as we watched mm-hmm. this uh this film however mm-hmm. let's just say that um at a dim sum restaurant are we gonna do that we're, we're, we're eating you dim set sum. it up you yeah we did it set it up so we are okay. eating dim sum together we're sitting across oh. the table Face uh-huh. to face, you of course have to do the vegetable option. I eat meat now, but they do make good vegetable food. Yeah. And our waiter comes up and says, listen, I'm going to let you guys order. However, before you do, I have this DVD copy of Dragon Lord Why is starring it in his pants? Jackie Chan. You just I don't know gestured. why it's in his pants. It, like literally, is, he's in the it's back disgusting. of his pants too, uh-huh. which is perhaps a little just bit weirder. At a restaurant too. It's, it's a lot of ass. He's like, listen, my boss. The big boss? Wrong movie. Is yep. going to fire me. My big boss is going to fire me unless I can describe to him the plot of this movie. Dave, what is the plot of Dragon Lord? I would just say you're fired because there is no plot. (laughs) (laughs) Just pack your bags, buddy. (laughs) Uh, What is this movie about? This movie 
follows the tale of a young near to well, eh? Eh? Ah, who happens to be a kung fu master, and he both tries to get his swerve on, while also wow. inadvertently saving Chinese culture. <laughs> yeah, all of Chinese culture. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much kind of it. Mm -hmm. I, I do agree that the plot of this movie is nebulous, to say the least. Mm -hmm. Even if you read the IMDb plot description, it's like, I mean, that is five minutes of this 97-minute long film. Yes. <laughs> like, it is it's not really about anything. But before I get into what I feel about this, Dave, what were your thoughts on Dragonlord? I don't know. It's, uh, it's, not, it's not very good. Um, meaning, you know, with Jackie Chan... Everything that he does physically is enjoyable to watch, like watching a show in and of itself. So uh, at any point in this quote-unquote film that he does some kind of physical comedy, a stunt, a sport, or a fight, you get that Jackie Chan thrill for two reasons. One, either you realize human beings ought not to be able to do what he's doing, and mm -hmm. B, he's really getting his face pummeled in by a, a stunt double, not a stunt double, like a, an, uh, a stuntman. Mm -hmm. So they do full contact, uh, more or less. Aside from that, this movie is fucking horrible. Like, it's so boring. Nothing is, like, I think about 30 or 40 minutes in, <laughs> I was just staring at it and thinking, there's a reason why I don't know about this. That scene was dumb. Uh, I feel like I've seen this part. And then I realized they've just taken the parts that worked and put it in better movies of his. So mm. uh, this felt like an experiment. And then I text you after... The last weird rugby sequence, I'm pretty sure that they shot each piece as individual gags, if you will, and then tried to mush them together into 90 minutes. Well, I, I don't know if that's 100% true, although I will say, I did read that they essentially did shuffle the deck as far as the scenes go. I told you. It was supposed to be in the lead up, because right? Because the first scene is supposed to be the last scene or something. Yeah. like I forget what it is. Like it's, It does not make cohesive sense. Again, I yeah. will agree with that. Uh, anyways, I fundamentally disagree with everything you just said. Wow. Um, I really, really do. Now, I also... Some white guilt, I think I'm hearing on this I don't know if it's white yeah. guilt. I do think <laughs> it has just not having a huge knowledge base of kung fu films. Mm -hmm. There's this meme that has gone around now for like the last couple of years, which is essentially guy who has only seen the movie Boss Baby watching another movie. This has a lot of Boss Baby vibes in it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we've okay. only seen one of something and it's like, the next thing is like, whoa, this has so many, like, <laughs> similarities to this it's thing. It's a complex meme. I can't even picture it, but okay, yeah. It, it's easy I mean, it's text. so specific. It's Boss Baby. I know. The it show's pretty good. Yeah. I actually uh, like the first movie. It was, okay. It's fine. Uh, okay. Um, but anyways, regardless <laughs> of that, that's how I feel about this is that because I only have such a small... Yeah. Sounds like base of films. I was enraptured by this movie. I do think any of the quote unquote plot scenes are trash. They're bad. I do agree with you on that on that point. I'm not saying that this is the best Jackie Chan movie I've seen. I'm not saying this is the best kung fu movie ever made. I'm just saying that through these vignettes, because about, I don't know, 15 minutes and I was like, oh, these are just like random scenes put together. So I just kind of locked into that mentality pretty quickly. I'm like, okay, just random scenes one after the other. There are three scenes in this film that I think are capital G great, that I loved, that, I th that literally gripped me to my television and I could not look away. The first is the kind of like the hacky sack soccer scene. I could have watched 20 more minutes of that scene. It's too I long. I loved it. 
I, know. I, I know i've i've read that in every review online it's like and i loved it i was like i'm in this also it's because you haven't seen it before but i yeah. was telling you over the text that this is this is a real thing so if you've seen it if you ever watch this movie again at about like five minutes in you're gonna be wondering why is there another five minutes why is there a 10 minute section of them playing this sport better than the love story true enough again it doesn't it doesn't do anything to the narrative but I don't know if it was at a certain point I was like, this is basic Fantasia where it's just a bunch of things after another that have no co narrative cohesion. Mm -hmm. It was fine for me. I loved watching that. I, th I believe that is the scene that, that they say they had 2,900 takes to get it exactly right how they wanted it, it been, to be. Because yeah. it's precise. It is very precise. Every cut, it makes sense. Like it is, it flows really well. Like again, I, I'm serious when I say I could have watched 20 more minutes of them just playing this game because I loved it that much. The second is more of like a comedy scene and you can absolutely see how Buster Keaton influenced Jackie Chan which is him up on the rooftop with the spears coming out mm -hmm. culminating in that great bit where he's hanging on with his two fingertips and it looks like he hold pulls himself up and it's like this two guys holding on to his legs great reveal great little comedy button love that entire sequence of him jumping around trying to get stabbed and the last one is the final boss fight. I thought that was, it was like this knockdown. They are getting tired throughout it. The way that, again, it's paced and staged and photographed. I was like totally invested in that entire fight from start to finish. So I am not here to tell you this is the best movie you're ever going to see. It's far from it. But I think it's worthy of a watch because of those three scenes in particular. Because I liked them so much. We basically said, Kyle, the exact same review, except that you haven't seen his good work. So you think that this was watchable. In those scenes, like I said, are the uh, core learnings he had from shooting previous movies in the like the late 70s as a kind of a young and up and coming talent. And then pieces that he would then develop even more into the late 80s and early 90s. This is also why for Mr. I do all my research of watch every fucking movie ever made <laughs> to watch to review the one. You're being such an asshole not watching actual Jackie Chan movies. I think because you knew that this would lower in value immediately. <laughs> I don't know, because I, uh, you shamed me. <laughs> Whatever. That hasn't stopped you even once. Verbatim, you're like, oh, I thought you cared about the podcast. I thought you enjoyed uh, <laughs> making quality work. I thought you wanted to have a qualified opinion or an informed opinion. So I went on to Criterion this mm. morning mm -hmm. and I did watch, not the laughing hyena. What is it called? Fearless the hyena? Hy the, the fearless fear hyena. The fearless, fearless. hyena. Yeah, yeah. Is that, that's the one where he has to hold the clay pots to train, right? Well, he's jumping on clay pots okay. on one of them. I don't think he's holding them. Mm. Anyways. They're all kind of the same, frankly. Which is um, his first directed film. This is his third. So his first directed film. I liked it, it, but it was kind of the inverse of this movie, which is like, yeah, the story is way better. It actually has a logical like beginning, middle, Revenge and end. plot, yeah. But none of the action scenes are interesting, I didn't think. I didn't think mm. any of them were all that inventive or, or fascinating. Yeah, um, are, or memorable, really, at all. So it's like, uh, I don't know. pieces I, I, that he's putting together, yeah. Well, so that is what I also read. And I think maybe you're saying the same thing here, which is um, these early Jackie Chan-directed films, his next one after this, which is... Is it Project A, the Project one that comes a? right after this? I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, Whatever the one good. that comes right after this one is like, he took all his learnings from these first three films yeah. and it coalesces in that one. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, he figured out how to do the set pieces right, and the plot right puts them together finally and so it actually makes better sense and makes better films because again police story 
was great because I think it is good story and good action sequences. It's like Just both of them depressing. at the same yeah, time. Yeah. Well, I feel I feel like like for example the uh, hacky sack, the shuttlecock, whatever they call that, Jin mm-hmm. Long or Ch- I can't remember what the sports called in the China. But what you were talking about with the synchronization and and the camera work that would become a staple in how he shoots his action films, mm-hmm. uh, action sequences moving forward, and that kind of need to keep everything so clean so people don't die when they are actually kicking each other in the face. Um, but also. And we see it a little bit here, like it felt rough to me because he does this with, with greater precision later. But like when he uses furniture to fight, when he's like mm-hmm. disappearing right. through things, he does all, a lot of those buskin pieces where buildings fall on him and he happens yes. to be in the right position, etc. Those get tighter and tighter until probably until he's in America and, and things kind of start to devolve because American cinema ruined martial arts, frankly, in the 2000s. Well, yeah, because they don't allow multiple takes. You need to do it in like... Three or less, right? I also don't understand uh, that nobody wants to throw up when you're watching people fight. You fucking shaky cam motherfuckers. I mean, that is the, right? the, 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 the any of these uh, action choreography fight scenes, like these are long involved takes where there's cuts, there's cuts happening, but it's like, it's allowing you to see what is happening. Oh, they have to, yeah, they have to know the whole, it's a dance, right? To, it's yep. a dance, right, that they're doing. It's like, okay, this is 25 seconds of uninterrupted cuts. So like you have to be hitting your marks 100%. America just doesn't let you do that. It's like, well, we have to have this done in like an hour. So you better do it in three takes and move on to something else. Unless you're Stanley Kubrick. I, right. So I think we agree in what the strengths of this film were. We were just not... I think so. But it sounds to me like you don't even like the action sequences. That you think they're actually No, they're good. Bad. I told you. They're enjoyable in the moments they appear. But the action sequence, for example, the boss fight is probably six minutes long. Right? Mm. In a 93-minute film. Sure. So, what you're telling our listeners (laughs) is that they ought to sit down for an hour and a half to get a 10-minute shuttlecock game, a a three-minute piece where he's dodging spears getting shoved into his crotch, and a three-minute, maybe six-minute fight scene. Because that entire fight sequence is not that great. It builds up really well. I think it's great. When it starts off, it's very awkward. And Mm. then... uh, and then what? Then you have to finish off with the 10-minute rugby scene. It doesn't make that sense. That is the unfortunate part is that it really should end at that end boss fight. And instead you have a 15-minute... If they knew what the story was about. Yeah. You have a 10-minute like pyramid football game. It didn't even have anything to do with the girl. It was just no. randomly thrown in there. Just grab a golden egg. She's kind of forgotten like partway yeah. through the film. As is standard in every action film. By the way, just as a quick aside, did you understand the rules of that football game? Because I had no idea what they were trying to do. I mean, there, uh, there's a game... Is it in Spain? They do something similar to... So basically, uh, you're just teams. trying to get... Well, you're just trying to get the the ball, right? And put it into your own bag? Is yeah, that what you have but, to do? But you have to touch everyone's station first? No, you just have to get it. They oh, just, okay, okay. just beat each other up. So the idea of the station is that they almost won the other mm. things. And then you'll see either Jackie or uh, them in, in fighting and making mistakes. You know, there's a lot of European cultures that have similar games where... Right. It's just, you know, the the root of uh, rugby, the root of sports. It's kind of like a reverse capture the flag, I think, is yeah, what exactly. I finally understood exactly. it to be sort of thing. And the other thing, too, and I think this is true for townships all around the world, is it's about pride, right? So, mm-hmm. I think what's implied, even with the shuttlecock game, because I think that team is in this fight, that they're from neighboring towns. And, uh, they're, you know, Jack Chance, you know, as much as of a derelict that he is cheating. I mean, there's, there's some comedy there where he's trying to cheat, but it's belabored, which I find with, generally with 80s Chinese films, the comedy's, you know, a little too much for me. So, like, you know, he's reading the notes. It's not that funny, actually. Because even in the uh, the Fearless Hyena, they played the um, Pink Panther theme. 
and then he just does Clouseau for like yeah. a 10 minute sequence I'm like it's okay weird. interesting he's like mm-hmm. kind of weird but he can do comedy beats like I don't mind him there's some oh, yeah. mugging to the camera it's like okay this is a bit too much for me personally but it's an Asian cinema thing of that era though like fourth wall breaks yeah, doing like really cartoonish face yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And again this is why Jet Li coming out of the late 80s and into the mid 90s could never pull off comedies in Asia because he just doesn't he just doesn't have that thing where he yeah, can so like just be, be a joke right so at the end of the day this film entertained me which I think was his main point however mm-hmm. there is a point I want to bring up here and I just want to know your point of view how far does a movie have to accomplish what it's trying to do for you to, I guess, give it a pass? Meaning, like you said, for this film, you found derivative, um, boring, et cetera, et cetera. You know, 15 minutes out of a whatever, 95, 97 minute long run time. And for me, it's like, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have felt disappointed if I had to pay a, a theater price to go and see this movie. I would have had the three great scenes that I got to leave with. But like for a comedy, I don't need it to be like two laughs every minute sort of thing. If I get like, I don't know, four or five big chuckles out of something. It's like, okay, well, it kind of did what it was setting out to do here. Give me a break. This is the problem. The problem with this is that they called it Dragon Lord. That means to me, it means that has a plot, Mm -hmm. that it means it's about fighting and it's something either to do with some mystical shit or some cultural shit. And this movie does not check any of those boxes. (laughs) It doesn't have a plot. It has nothing to do with anybody becoming the Lord of anything. And there's just, there's no meat there. If they wanted to call it like uh, shit we threw at the screen or we'll make you laugh for 10 minutes. I don't know. Fine. You know, no, these no, could okay, be set up as series of shorts. It's not a film. This is again, going at our different ways that we're approaching this because for me, I look at this as the genre here is what it's telling me is it's, it's Kung Fu. Therefore, I want really great choreographed scenes. And I got three great choreographed scenes. How much Kung Fu is in... How much Kung Fu is in this well, movie? Uh, sure, true enough. There's like the one main scene that is the actually Kung Fu in this scene. And there's some training sequences. But I want three great choreographed scenes. And I got those three great choreographed scenes. No, is that what you say about a musical? If if a musical came out and had three songs, right? Well, I mean, if a, if a musical gives me three great production numbers, then yeah, I would say like, hey, well, it did some great stuff. I can still no. be critical of the things I don't think it did well. Yeah. But it I'm not going to be, be like, boring. this is a one-star movie because it only had three great scenes I got to sit through and I think they're legitimately awesome. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think the problem with this movie is that it's stuck between genres. Like, it doesn't know what it wants to be. We see that with its plotting. And I think it's more experimental than anything, which you can forgive it if you want. And I'm sure Jackie Chan historians will, because there's going to be context to where this movie sits in his development, both as an actor and as a director. But, you know, sitting through this guy, I mean, it's not a movie. It's not, right? It's, it, it's not a movie. It's, shot on film it's so it's been it's, cut to 90 minutes mm-hmm. it has no story has no real you know art film shtick it's just it's a sequence of events that he had fun shooting you know it's it's like a home video true enough i just i do not prioritize plot over everything else i just don't right. care i just don't I care don't, i don't so, think that's true i don't think that's true as some other i mentioned fantasia already but mm-hmm. like talking about musicals again there's a musical uh, called follies that is, there is a story to it, which is like 
these two couples meeting again after like 30 years of not seeing each other. And they eventually have this mental breakdown at the end. But for like a good hour of this runtime of that musical, that's like over two hours. It's just random people coming up and doing songs that they used to do 30 years yeah, ago. But they're singing. Okay. Right. If this had been a 90 minute, you know, 15 sequences of random people fighting, then this would be a hit. If this had been 90 minutes of comedic Jackie doing like slapstick falling off of buildings, this would be a hit. It couldn't figure out what it wanted to be and it named itself an action film. If Fantasia was called uh, Mickey Mouse Masters, you know, somebody, you would find the movie insufferable because nothing would make any goddamn sense if they called it Mickey Mouse Lord. It, it would just be so stupid. I but guess. they called it Maybe. Fantasia. So you're like, oh, well, I already know that people did way too much acid making this. So I'm just going to let it ride. I think maybe a better example is Xanadu. Have you ever watched the musical no. Xanadu? It's the last time Gene Kelly danced on film is like 1980. I oh my say. God. He must have been 80. He was very old. That plot in that movie is so fucking stupid. It's about aliens who come down and infect people at a roller what? rink. Awesome. And blah, blah, blah. Once again, I love the Gene Kelly dancing sequence. All of the choreography with the uh, roller skates is phenomenal. Uh, and there's a couple other sequences that are good. The plot's stupid and it's bad. No, but- and any, any of the non-musical things don't work for me. But the musical sequences do. And so then it's there where it's like, it's a, kind of in the middle for me because these sequences work. All this stuff doesn't. But that doesn't mean it's an awful movie for me. It means this portion of the movie is awful and this stuff over here is great. We're having a semantic argument. Maybe. When you say plot, you're talking about prioritizing a story over an affect. When mm. I hear plot, I want it to tie into the title and expectation of the film. If I sat down to watch something called Xanadu, I know the story will not make any fucking sense, <laughs> right? If I sit down and see in the, in the title, the marquee say Dragon Lord, my expectations are like a fighting movie, period. There's no comedy in that title. Or if they want to subvert that, and Jackie Chan is very good at this, it would start off in such a slapstick way that we would understand that either like by Dragon Lord, he's making fun of himself, like there's a translation issue and it's, you know, referring to something that we're not aware of culturally. But this is not what this film was. It really wasn't. But that's like saying though, they like... If this movie had been called, there's only one fight at the end and then there's some football played. It'd be like five out of five. Great movie because it told me what it was going to be. I don't know about five out of five, but it would change It would change the expectation of what you're supposed to watch. And that in turn would change how you interpret the film. Honestly, I think that's half the problem. And I, I don't like, disagree that marketing has a big way that I react to movies on first watch. But I think, yeah, I just had a very alternate way of looking at this movie coming into it. I had a very different interpretation of what to expect. If you watch The Drunken Master mm-hmm. and he's sober, you will hate that film. Sure. Sure. Right? True enough. True enough. And what's great about both is that, like Drunken Masters, is that the whole shtick is he's not supposed to drink, right? That mm-hmm. it will unleash a brutal power in him because it makes you so uncontrollable, which is awesome, right? That there's some legendary ideas where the drunken fist, in fact, actually existed in the history of martial arts. But I love the idea of that. And you can play that both ways. You know that he's going to master the drunken fist. You know it's going to be funny because people who are fucked up look hilarious on screen. And it's Jackie Chan, so you know he's going to do impossible things with his body. And Kyle, if you see Drunken Master 2... There's a part where he's drinking, leaning back in a full perpendicular because he's resting on somebody's back, like who's on his hands and knees. And that guy runs away and his body's exactly mm-hmm. in that position he's holding up by himself. So if you want to watch real choreographed stunt work and be wild at what a human body can do, there are better examples. 
So I think that for this film, for it to work for me, it needs mm-hmm. to combine those things in a in a better way. I didn't hate this movie. I just thought it was belabored. Right? Well, fair enough. I'm and I'm. <laughs> this is gonna be so hilarious when we have the same score at the end that we fought so much. <laughs> I doubt about it. it. <laughs> Mine's gonna be a bit lower than yours, I'm sure. But um, yeah. but 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 yeah. I mean. Jackie Chan has great control of his body, like just the way that he's able to move it and present and like the, the feats of strength and the choreography that he's able to do is like remarkable. Although, by the way, just before I forget it, this also makes me flash back to Clute and be like, why is it called Clute? It still bugs me that that movie is called Clute <laughs> when it has nothing to do with that character. Exactly. But regardless. Well, this is, this is kind of my point, man. Yeah. We focused so much on Don- Donald Sutherland, we didn't need to, right? The movie was about Jane Fonda's character. And so we divert our attention and it makes the movie tepid because even though she gives this incredible performance and the story around her is so perfect, we keep thinking, but Clute, Clute's important. He's not. He doesn't but fucking he's do anything. He's come to be really important by the end of this. Oh, we, no, he's not at all. This is my normal stance on Donald Sutherland. Why is he here? Okay. I want to talk about a few other things, but let's do some backstory here then. Uh, so this movie opened up on January 21st, 1982. It is currently rated 3.2 on Letterboxd out of 5. It has a 6.3 on IMDb out of 10. There was no available rating on Metacritic, and on Rotten Tomatoes, only four critics have reviewed this, so there's no score that is given, and the 1,000 plus users give it a 56%. So it's a rotten film, according to Rotten Tomatoes. It is available on DVD and Blu-ray. It currently has no place to stream or rent it, at least here in Canada. I don't know what the budget was, but apparently, supposedly, it made $9 million. Hong Kong about, dollars or American it dollars? It said U.S. dollars, so I'm assuming they converted Hong Kong dollars into U.S. It's dollars. not bad. Most of these movies are made on shoestring budgets. Anyways, its plot description is, The adventures of a restless martial arts student called Dragon, who, while constantly pursuing a girl, gets involved in the affairs of a gang of thieves. Which again is like five or six minutes of this movie. I, like that, that really has nothing to do with this movie. Oh, another scenario really I liked. I should just point out him trying to recite the poetry while in front of his dad. Yeah, I thought that was really the, fun. With the cheat sheets, putting it all the yeah. right cheat sheets all around. We should do play a game here, Dave. So let's play guess yes. that yes. tag. This is of course the time in the show where I get to don a handsome blazer. Pick up the long microphone that Bob Barker used to use. That was very sexual. I didn't mean it to be. Mm. You know, when you go to the movie theater, Dave, like you're probably going to go and see The Rise of Gru, the new Minions film. (laughs) Probably pretty good. And you're like, should I be watching this movie? Let me see what this tagline has to say. I enjoyed Despicable 3. Is that, is that, I hate cruel? all the Despicable Me movies, like with a throbbing <laughs> passion. Like, it's just, I do not like them. Like, long microphone, throbbing passion. And I feel like I'm the only person who hates them as much as I do. Yeah, that's likely true. The third mm. one was fun because Emerson loved it, and there's so many 80s jokes in it that, to your point, Pandering. I laughed a few times and uh, enjoyed it, Kyle. Yeah. I'm going to come back to that, that point I was trying to make. Yeah. I'm going to give you three options, Dave, here of the tagline to this movie, which I'm assuming was translated into English, but I actually don't know if that's, that, that's the case or not. Anyways, one of these well, is the real tagline. Released in America. And the other two are completely made up by me. Is it fists and fun fly fast and furious when the dragon lord fights to save his nation's treasure? Is it his fists are fast, but his feet are quicker? Or is it... Jackie Chan is back in his most action-packed film yet. I don't know. 
One. There's still one. Yeah, it is one. I couldn't make anything that sounded no, <laughs> quite like that. The first one like, looks like, yeah. yeah. It's definitely a translation. And a bad one, yeah. It mm. is starring Jackie Chan as Dragon, Mars as Cowboy, Michael Waman Chan as Tiger, and Insha Kwong as the Big Boss. Anything you want to say about any of these other actors besides no. Jackie Chan? Not really. I, I don't recognize any of them. Yeah, I want to know who that big boss was guy because I, again, thought he did some interesting moves. There are a lot of better martial arts later. That, oh, sure. Uh, yeah. The cinematography for this film was done by two people, Ching Shu Chen and Chung Yuan Chen. I don't know if they're related. Possibly they are. No. Chung Huan Chen, their four, uh, top four are The Killer Meteors from 1976, Lethal Extortion from 1993, Red Pirate from 1997, and To Kill with Intrigue from 1977. Ching Shu Chen actually has the more extensive career because he worked with Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan a lot more because he is his top four are The Big Boss from 1971, Fist of Fury from 1972, The Young Master from 1980, and A Queen's Ransom from 1976. This was written by Jackie Chan, King Sang Tang, and Barry Wong and directed by Jackie Chan. I have really no information about this movie, other than I do know that it ran over time and over budget for what they were given. There, like I said, there was that one scene, which I'm pretty sure is the uh, the hacky sack soccer scene that had over 2,900 takes that they had to do to get it precisely right. So he was like very specific of what he wanted it to, to look like. And that this is the first time that Jackie Chan put bloopers at the end of one of his movies. So it holds a distinction that way, at least that uh, from this point on, he would always put little bloopers at the end of his of his films. Uh, that is everything <laughs> that I was able to find out about this movie. Uh, again, other than like this is his first movie of when he came back from the US. So he does his first two goes to the US in these two terrible movies. He comes back disillusioned, makes this as his first thing. And then we go into huge success later into the 80s. I just looked this up on Wikipedia. Kyle, this movie was conceptualized as a sequel to The Young Master. And originally, mm. it was going to be called Young Master in Love. Now, if you kept that title, even with the stupid, you know, like him chasing the girl scene, which doesn't actually mean anything, the movie works better. I just think it's bonkers that that is the point that you're sticking with. I want people who are listening to this literally to write in or send us a direct message. I understand that impacting your expectations going into it. Don't get me wrong. But even if Mad Max Fury Road was called Palin' Around. It wouldn't be good. If I go into the... I, I get that, but you, you it's still like a movie. It. I'm still no, watching the movie no, Mad Max no, Fury Road. No. That is, this is why movies have titles, Kyle. And this is why, like, if you watch Magnolia, right? Mm-hmm. It's not about a flower, but when the vignettes come up and we start watching these things layer, the metaphorical idea falls into place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but my point is being the movie. The movie is still the movie, even if it's called a no. stupid title. The movie is still the movie that you are watching. You only watch things with. The, this is why you hate Despicable Me three, right? Because you're ex- expecting three Despicables in it, and I did not get three Despicables. Well, whatever you're expecting for Despicable Me right? It didn't live up to your expectation, whatever that is. And that's what a title is supposed to do. It's supposed to lead you into understanding the tone of a film. Now, this movie didn't help itself because it doesn't have a tone, but no, it I'm just yeah. I'm just saying, like, you know, like I'm looking at the production camera, like, look at the poster. The poster is Jackie Chan mm-hmm. fighting, fighting, and he doesn't yes, do that. Doing a high movie. kick. But if you went into a movie blind and just like, here's a movie, we're not even going to tell you what the title is. There's no title card. You're just watching a movie. Sure. 
You're watching that movie, and, and that's no, a social experiment. Of, if, nobody if, can if, do regardless that. Regardless if the title is stupid or not, the movie is still the movie well, that you're watching. Okay, I I will follow that with that should be a podcast. And if you could find films that people haven't seen and just and cut out the title sequence and just let them watch. I mean, the title sequence, particularly nowadays, is incorporated in like into yeah, the yeah. beginnings. But if you could actually pull that off, then I guarantee you, you would have vastly divergent scores from popular opinion. But this is my point. You prove, Kyle. I mean, this is the problem. It's not really specifically about this film in particular because it's not that good to begin with, right? This is not. I'm hoping that this is not a five star film for you, Kyle. No, it's not even close. But this is my point. (laughs) All right, we're we're kind of like pushing hard on the fact that you enjoyed the stunts and you find him charming as an actor. Versus, is this a good film, right? And I find him charming. I love Jackie Chan. Politics notwithstanding, I watched The Foreigner. I thought it was fucking amazing. And that's a mm. movie that didn't even crack the box office here in America. No. If you want to see Jackie Chan still like doing drama, watch The Foreigner. That's It's a great film. Pierce Brosnan as a terrorist. It's hilarious. Uh, it's, not, it's not a comedy at all. This is my expectation level is so much higher <laughs> because, uh, you know, I grew up, I idolized this guy. I only wish I could do a fraction of the things that he can do, both acting wise and, you know, physically. So, you know, come on. If this movie had a dumb name, we would we would be more willing to understand that it was dumb. No, to I, I I just firmly disagree with this sticking <laughs> point for you because I think it's so it's so silly. Okay, you watch the fire. You watch the fearless hyena, right? Yes. That title tells Makes you sense. the tone of that film, whether no, not, it was fully developed or not. I'm not disagreeing with how titles tell you tone. And how the I'm marketing works. I'm starting to yell. I can feel it. I can see I the waveforms. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with like your setup to this. Where okay. I'm kind of breaking apart at that is like, okay, my expectation, my expectations have not been met. That's one thing. But then there's also the rest of the movie. Regardless of if The Godfather is called Guy Stroking a Cat, it's still The Godfather that I'm watching. So I, mean, I could come and be like, boy, I was expecting something far different by the title. But then I got this movie and I was gripped by it. Kyle, come on. <laughs> you, <laughs> in, see, what you're suggesting is that if Francis Ford Coppola had a stroke and he called that <laughs> film Man Stroking Cat, that would have done yeah. equally as well. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the movie is still- You would enjoy it. You would enjoy it at the same level. No, I'm not saying that the expectations or they would become like this cultural phenomenon if it had been called that. What I am saying is, regardless of what a thing is called, the movie you were watching has not changed. Calling it something stupid, yes, I get it, is going to change your expectations, is going to change the box office it gets, is going to change so many different things. But ultimately, you're still going in, sitting down, and watching that movie play out. I think there's more to it than that. Yeah. And it's just going to add this one last level. Mm-hmm. I, because you and I are, are pretending to write a script right now. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, what you're telling me is that you're assuming that they title it after they finish building it. No, I'm not. Because saying if that. you called it "Man Stroking Cat," you wouldn't make the Godfather. <laughs> True enough. Right. It, it, th- this is the whole thing. They they're intertwined. They they don't necessarily come before or after each other, but they're intertwined. And for me sitting down to watch this particular film, uh, it became a problem because I I always find him entertaining, Jackie Chan that is, uh, Marlon Brando too, because he's such a nutter. Mm-hmm. But I gave this all my patience. I finished the film. I, it didn't million dollar duck. But there were several times I would look at my watch and just be wondering like, when will the movie actually start? That is not a good place for a movie to exist. 
it's just not it's not a good place to be right but you're talking now about the actual structure of the film which i agree with you it does not flow from scene to scene it feels cobbled together the plot such as that it is 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 terrible and i agree with all of that stuff (laughs) i think my sticking point is that regardless regardless of if this was even called young man tries to find love it's still the same movie that i'm sitting down and watching but well as someone who's watched a lot of hong kong films if this was called young master falls in love i know it's going to be stupid that is not how they title romance films mm-hmm. in, in Hong Kong cinema. The moment it says that the young master falls in love, it's already a kung fu parody, which this film technically kind of is. It's using these tropes. The, the, the fights were a little too serious, but it's a, it's a cartoon, right? That's not what I thought I was going to be watching. And then on top of that, it wasn't good. <laughs> so if they had made a right. good action comedy with a bad name, that's one thing. Like, I think that's what you're getting at. But- it's a moot point here, Kyle, because the movie itself is not actually good. So it's not something worth I'm saying about. that the movie is good. The action sequences are good. That's where right. I am sticking my flag. Well, those are two different things. Action sequences are not the movie. Okay. Well, I think that they're enough there. This brings me back to what I was foreshadowing before. <laughs> Can we talk about the actual movie? Taking this movie out of the equation just for a moment. Let's All put right. that on the back burner, okay? It's, or we've, it's left the room. We've asked Dragon Lord to leave the room for a minute. Now we can really talk about I it. I did that. Yeah, I did that yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> if, the, if, if you're watching a comedy film, right? It's advertised that this is a comedy. Yeah. Is there a set number of times that you have to laugh in order for you to make that was a good comedy? Uh, no. I why would there be a number? What for does me, I mean? it's, it's the whole experience. Like, sure. I, I, but I, I can't mean, just like, laugh once and then leave and, right. and find the rest of it boring. And I, w- I wouldn't look back and say, well, at least I laughed once. No, that's what I mean. I agree with that. And I don't know okay. if I have like a specific number. Yeah, I really don't know if I have a specific number. But like there's movies that, that go from like Airplane, which I'm kind of constantly laughing through the entire thing. Yeah. I think there's so many gags stuffed into that movie. It's literally just gags. But then there's stuff like, um, like a John Hughes film is not like a laugh riot from beginning to end. But it has enough like sentimentality and, and light comedy beats that it's effective to me. I don't have to be laughing every single moment throughout that movie for it still to be effective. Yeah, but he didn't make laugh right films. They were always dramedies. Like they were always, they were always half about growing up and hating being a teenager. Mm-hmm. Or okay. when he oh, did, this? when he this? flipped the script, he made, was it Home Alone? Isn't that a John Hughes film? Oh, uh, he wrote it, but he didn't direct okay. it. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, that's basically here's, here's his airplane. Then. Here's a better just, example yeah. of, okay. here's a better example of somebody we watched this, this year, which is uh, Victor Victoria. Right. Which is, Branded a comedy, but again, it's not really a laugh riot from beginning to end. But it has those few scenes that, like, that's good. That's a really well executed scene, and that's kind of the area that I feel like I'm in. Victor Victoria is a far better movie than this movie that we're talking about. That's still not in the room. I would still classify both of those as comedies, and they're still effective with what they do. And in this case, in Dragon Lord, because I was coming in and wanting, I want some good uh, choreographed action sequences. I got three that I considered great. And therefore, I think it's a success because of it. You know, you know what? You know what we're arguing like? You know what this is? <laughs> this is a defense of- Oh, everyone stop listening, Dave. Don't worry. This is a defense of fast food. <laughs> it is. Maybe. And what maybe you're saying is, bit. 
Yeah, you walked away from it, you had a punch of great flavor, and you don't care if you're going to feel sick the next day from it. Mm. We shouldn't talk about A&W because we did both get very yeah, sick. That's my thing. <laughs> I haven't been back since, and I used to love it. Me neither, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's scary, right? Even mm. subconsciously, you're like, oh, I don't know. Uh, right? I don't know if I want to shit myself for three days. Vomit for the next uh, <laughs> day and a half. Is that something I really want to do? <laughs> I mean, Green Knight was good, but, mm. uh, you know, I don't think it was worth, I don't think it was worth that many <laughs> bathroom trips, frankly. If you want to do a count... You know, mm. maybe one, one purge, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's a one purge movie, yeah. We're comparing, I was just thinking like hearing you describe it, it's like uh, walking away from a, even a good one, I don't know, like a local a burger baron we're talking about. You walk out of a burger mm -hmm. baron, you're like, oh, the mushroom sauce. And somebody else is like, it's a fucking like a diner, dude. Like there are better burgers. And you're like, well, it still tasted good. Yes, everything Jackie Chan does even if it's the worst movie's ever been in, we'll have at least one moment where you're like, how the fuck did that happen? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean it was good for you. <laughs> and you're talking about The Godfather, which is like going to see some fucking personal chef build this like five course tasting menu and give you, you know, like all this molecular gastronomy shit. Like he's, he redefined film in that, in that moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can't, those are not good ways to compare the two. The thing right? is like, that, I, I, well, I think it is a good way to compare things is the thing. I'm at a disadvantage because again, I don't have the extensive knowledge that you do. So unfortunately, we have to defer to you on the point that there's far better examples of Jackie Chan, both directing himself and, you know, being an actor in other people's movies. I can concede that point. However, using fast food as the example, I can still go and like, this is the best example of a fast food restaurant that I've ever been at. And I can go to a fine dining establishment and say, this sure. is the best example of a fine dining establishment. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily ever comparing those two together. Just like when I go and watch a horror film, I'm comparing it to other horror films I'm watching. I'm not really comparing that to other genres. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to be kind of in the film that you're in. Well, you brought The Godfather. But okay, uh, I'm following you. I agree with what you're saying. If the fast food comparison is other martial arts films, mm -hmm. or even more narrow, other Jackie Chan films, right. right? Or even more narrow, other Jackie Chan films that are both action and comedy. Right. You could even narrow it down farther, Kyle. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, to, honestly, this is this, this is Roger Ebert's point. He always said that that's how he did it. It's like, if I'm going to see this movie, I have to compare it to other movies that are like it. Not every movie that's ever been made. Jackie Chan did a series of movies with Sammo Hung and, and Yun Bao that are like, there was a couple of like horror comedies. There's like buddy comedy mm -hmm. films. There's stuff that it shouldn't work, but because of their charisma, they're watchable. And like even the idea of Project A, that's not a good name for a film, at least translate right. into English, right? Police story. I know that's- Right, it's so generic, right? Yeah, it's it's anchored itself into popular cinema, but frankly, the first time I watched it, I didn't actually like it very much, to be to be fair. Because I, again, my expectation of Jackie Chan is a clown who's also a ninja. And that movie took itself way too seriously for me. If I watch it now, maybe I'll like it better. Although, you know, I'm a parent and I just want to be, I want to enjoy my life now, Kyle. I'm like, I'm tired. You don't of... want to see Jackie Chan uh, fall three stories and electrocute himself almost <laughs> to death? Isn't it? Um, That's what you get. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't think that this is the best fast food burger. I think there are no. better ones, right? It's not the worst either. I just, I find that this is something where uh, my bar is too high. Even if you want to say within A&W, you and I both chose it because we've had burgers at A&W that are actually good. Mm -hmm. And then we went one time to this specific location and it made us both sick. Allegedly, I should say, so we don't get sued, but yes. Well, we both ate at the same place. Well, we went to the same place and we got violently sick, so. Um, 
So that I, I think that's where my mind is at. So even if we don't come, and I, I wasn't, you're the one that brought up, I'm not comparing this to any other films, like genres mm. or anything like that. And I know you weren't doing it directly, but we were just trying to find a yeah. way to discuss how I feel about this film. As you brought up at the beginning, you're not a huge martial art, Hong Kong cinema martial arts guy. I've watched too many, like even ones I don't, like Bride with White Hair. I think you would actually like that movie mm. a lot. They're weird, man. I mean, this is the developmental stage. Mm-hmm in Hong Kong cinema. So if they're going to do weird, they got really weird. And this one wasn't weird enough. When they did action, they did like all out, right? Bloody action. This thing didn't do that. When they're doing comedy, it's pure slapstick, you know, clearly influenced like Home Alone, like to, you know, all of this uh, Bugs Bunny stuff where people get literally getting hit in the face with hammers and anvils. And then, you know, they almost would have birds flying out of their head. And this movie didn't do that either. So I found it middling. Like I love watching him do anything. And uh, mm-hmm. I still did a lot of shrugging in this thing, so. I didn't shrug, but that's mostly because I don't have shoulders. So we should probably do this before we wrap up. Talking a lot here. I'm so upset. Should... You've incensed me. I know that we always start off every episode saying, like, we talk about the ideas of the movie. We <laughs> went no... into such a meta-textual conversation <laughs> about this movie that people are going to be losing their minds. We should talk at least about one thing about the movie. So okay. is there a, a favorite sequence or something that you identified about this movie that was like something you want to talk about more than anything else? No, I mean, we're talking about it. I I think my experience of it was, uh, I mean, it's not brutal disappointment. It's just disappointing. And I have already stated, like, I respect all of the stunt work, the choreography, the physicality. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the comedy's dated, but it's 1982 in Hong Kong. So, you know, like peeing on each other and all that stuff. That's yeah, like, pretty far par for the course in that era. So I will say yeah. the first 10 minutes are pretty rough because even I was like, I don't know. Exacerbated by the fact that the first three scenes, like, I don't know how these go together. Go, like, it just yeah. felt like so all over the place. I was like, I have no idea how these are all actually supposed to be the same thing. Turns out, not supposed to be, I guess, because it never exactly. is referred to ever again. I mean, I'll stress for people that want to know about Jackie Chan is for the most part, they don't really use wires in the way that you might see like with these uh, fantastical uh, like uh, Jet Li once upon a time in China so like people with special powers floating in the air uh, they will use of course some stunt props to make sure people don't die but like when mm-hmm. they show the slow mo oh, the slow motion is a problematic in this they slow mo the wrong parts he gets better at that later yeah, but yeah. when you see the slow mo of Jackie Chan it's not stunt man uh, doing a backflip off a you know slated roof that's actually him <laughs> Yeah. And it's likely there's an outtake where he fell off that fucking building. Well, actually, in, um, again, the behind the scenes that I was reading about this, he does a, in that boss fight, he does a backflip off the second story and lands oh, yeah, on his yeah. feet on the bottom story. It, where the guy um, misses and he, catching And in the bloopers, it. you see it, he misses it and yeah. breaks his chin. So yeah. he couldn't talk for like the next He's couple weeks. He's broken everything yeah. it's why it's fun to watch him though and this is why mm-hmm. hollywood actors do this now because we've well i was such i'm you know i'm, I'm always pointing my finger helen hates watching movies with me because i'll be like green screen cgi stuntman <laughs> like i just can't help it because i grew up watching an actual actor get punched in the face and jump off a building for real so i, I mean yeah the, the the ridiculous thing about this is that i mean i think we made this point wrapping up last week's episode of tom cruise and how he's become this action star much more in his like last 20 years than his mm-hmm. like first 20 years there's something fundamentally different and i'm not saying necessarily one is better than the other but there's something fundamentally different when i see an action sequence i'm like he is really doing that oh yeah 
And it's actually him that's going through the motions there rather than having to rely on like, let's go back. It's a stuntman or we're going to CGI it up a little bit. Wrong body type, wearing a wig. Yeah, exactly. Some men do like phenomenal work and should be recognized for it. But again, something fundamentally different when it's the actual person doing like, yeah, there's, there's more physicality, there's more, I guess, quote unquote, realism to, uh, to what's happening on screen. Yeah, this is not a slight to stunt work at all. I think stunt men and women, stunt people are uh, fucking nuts. And they do things that we don't even comprehend. Even as movie nerds, we don't really understand the scope of how many of them pass away, how many die, how many of them mm-hmm. lose their careers to tragic accidents. I mean, that's that's a real line of work in a physical sense. I've heard podcasters have had just as many accidents. But I'm pretty sure there's a correlation between Jackie Chan appearing in American cinema and suddenly like a 40-year-old Tom Cruise going, all right, we got to change the plot because nobody nobody believes me anymore because this other dude just came from Hong Kong and you can see he almost died in this shot. So if I don't die, then nobody's buying my movie. And that's the power of cinema. That's well, that's why after, you know, the late 90s and into the 2000s, you start seeing and people always asking now, oh, Matt Damon, when Thor, when you did Marvel, was that actually you? And they're like, well, 50% of the time, some of them were deemed too yeah. dangerous, right? Why is that even in the rhetoric anymore? That, that's the thing, right? It's like, you see Tom Holland, it's like, I got to swing once as yeah. Spider-Man. Uh, and he is like a trained dancer, so he could probably do a lot of that stuff if he really wanted to. If Tom Cruise had somehow be cast as like a 60-year-old Spider-Man, he's like, I'm actually going to whip around oh, yeah. New York City. I'm actually going to do it for real. I'm like, okay. Absolutely. I mean, they'll put wires. Like, yeah. um, you know, nobody wants anyone to die. But I think Jackie Chan, likely there's a correlation with him catching some mainstream American success and Jet Li doing the same. Oh, mm-hmm. Jet Li doesn't really do a lot of his stunt work. And then having American cinema go, oh, wait a second, right? Like, we can't have action movies without trying to actually punch Matt Damon in the face. Like if we cut away and put a stuntman doing some of the Krav Maga stuff, uh, (laughs) that might be why we get a lot of uh, shaky cam, frankly, in American cinema. Maybe they just realize they couldn't do it. Just rely on the cut to to hide the deficiencies and stuff like that. The one last thing I just want to say on a technical aspect, I think what Jackie Chan does so well as a director, he does this all the time where he like, you're focused on something that's like usually a person's face and then something will enter in Mm. in in the foreground well, okay. or in the background and just make it be a joke a little bit. I, I can't remember the one that I was going to talk about for this movie, but because it's very fresh in my mind for that fearless he, uh, hyena one, he sees his dad come in. It's a f- close up on his face. He goes, oh no. And he puts his hands over mm. his face and then someone punches him right, right in the face from off screen. It's like, good setup and punchline, yeah. literally, to cap that off. So like he really understands how to use that flow and movement so, so well. I suspect, I mean, I, again, I'm not a historian of anything, but I suspect one of the things that made Samo and uh, Jackie persist, because Samo still makes movies too, but Yun Bao doesn't. I think the two of them anyways, I mean, I don't know anything about Yun Bao's personal life, but they study film. And you can see it in the way they make movies. They keep evolving and they keep getting better. These are not people that were stubborn in how they ought to shoot a film. So I wouldn't recommend anyone watching this film, frankly, because again, I think there are better ones. If you want an introduction into Jackie Chan, uh, you'll see that any of the previous films, you'll see those pieces reappear in everything he does, just refined. And uh, it's great. He's a cool guy. Great hair. Beautiful hair. His hair does look phenomenal. Right? How do you cut that? My mom used to tell me, this is an Asian thing, but there's this idea that if you become a master martial arts, you know, not only your body gets better, but your hair gets thicker. And so mm-hmm. there's this thing where they talk about how 
something smell like uh, there's one legend in Korea where this Marshall's master died because they couldn't give him a needle for uh, oh my God. for an antibiotic because his God, skin so was strong. so strong, or that people needed special scissors to cut martial artist's hair because it gets so thick. Oh, that might actually make sense for again another scene in the Fearless Hyena because a part of his hair gets cut off and everyone reacts like very that's right shocked and stuff like well, that. And the other thing with um with martial arts I, again i don't know if this is true in chinese history but the idea of the ponytail was about mm-hmm. honor and kind of like uh, i've never been needed to cut it because i've lived the right, right way and so if they cut it they're either ready to die fighting or somebody has shamed them but at any rate there's a lot of uh, almost mythology around sure. the way these things are built so we're done here all right well the machine has said that we do have to wrap things up it is time for critics choice this is the part of the show where we discover what the critics thought at the time that this film was released kind of like last week again uh there roger ebert and pauline kale both did not review this film shocker upon shocks so the positive review i found was from kaiju man and he gave it four stars and said and wrote i should say this is on letterboxd i found both of these on letterboxd he writes a lesser talked about but still very entertaining jackie chan madcap action comedy which might throw some off since the first actual fight scene is over an hour into it the movie more than makes up for it with tons of classic Jackie hijinks and tomfoolery. I'm wow. sure the humor is lost on some, but I've always enjoyed the Three Stooges style of zany comedy he'll throw into his movies. This is definitely one of his sillier, though, at least for the time period. There's also two insanely impressive sport games that he includes. The opening game of what can only be described as survival rugby, and a crazy shuttlecock game that notoriously took over a thousand takes to get right. That is dedication. The big ending might be the most vicious fight I've ever seen Jackie get into. It's seriously down and dirty. As the fight wears on and the fighters become more and more exhausted, you just wonder, how much longer can they keep this up? And it ends with a pun. I'm pretty sure he's been given the sack. Because uh, they pile on all the sacks on top of him. Never change, Jackie. Never change. 34 likes for that uh, review. Wow. <laughs> Um, here's your review, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) This is by MK Nusser. Uh, they give it two stars and writes, About a couple of friends who get into random shenanigans, I guess there's a reason why this is relatively obscure, despite coming out just before Jackie Chan's string of 80s classics. I'm not sure why young Jackie Chan hated plots so much, but I'm glad he eventually figured out that having a movie be about something is generally a good idea. The film is just way, way too goofy and meandering. It skates by on Jackie Chan's charisma for a while. But in the absence of literally anything pushing things forward in the first hour and change, it gets oppressive. It doesn't help that there were basically zero fights in that first hour. There were a couple of long sequences in which the characters play games, one involving chasing a ball and one that's basically hacky sack. And there's some impressive athleticism on display, but with absolutely zero context for why we should care about their outcome. It's hard to get too involved. There are a couple of solid fights in the final stretch, particularly the predictably great final fight, but it's such a slog to get there that I can't say it was worth it. Only five likes for that review. That's that's the correct, correct assessment. Can I, okay, let me add two things. Number one, typically when they add, let's say the hacky sack thing, that becomes an important tool he'll have to use in his fight. And he only used it once. Okay. He only yeah. used it once. He does use it once. So it it, it disappears. This is why I think the rugby shot was meant to be early in the film, just to show that he can take a beating and become, yes. you know, go through that. But they, they recut it. I don't know if our transfer, it sounds like what they it watched. Like theirs was at the beginning, which yeah. would 
be make better more sense because frankly. at the last 15 minutes it's really Stupid. shouldn't be there really should not be there the other thing i want to bring up because you asked about the actor it's funny uh i just didn't recognize him so it's there's a famous korean martial arts master hapkido master that moved to hong kong cinema and became a bad guy in a lot of early films this is that guy what's interesting about him is that he actually lives in toronto <laughs> After oh, really? he finished in the 80s, he moved to Toronto and started a, a school of Hapkido there. Whoa. So, a lot of Korean people in Toronto know of him, but I pictured him uh, more like, because I think he was in Game of Death. You, you could have been your own Billy Jack. You could have been Toronto's Billy Jack. Learned Hapkido. Uh, no, it was a different guy. Extreme that was Parlor. Uh, no, in the Way of the Dragon. So, he actually fought Bruce Lee as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that... Uh, it's just funny because in this film, he just looks like some old dude, but this is probably around the time where he stopped acting. Yeah. It says in the Wikipedia, he debuted in 72 fighting, uh, mm. fighting with these guys. So yeah, he's a contemporary of that whole burgeoning scene of martial arts in Hong Kong at the time. Mm. Well, we should answer the question here then, Dave, that we ask every week, does this hold up and is it still culturally relevant? No, I... I I have to put no and no. It holds up only because people still can't be Jackie, but mm -hmm. there are better Jackie movies to demonstrate that. And there's no cultural relevance because this doesn't have a plot. It doesn't fit in anywhere. The only people that I find interesting, I think, are like diehard Jackie fans who want to see where his later material comes from. But for the general public, I'll never, I'll never tell people that they should watch Dragon Lord. Mm. Not to be a full-on hater, but there are better movies. There are better movies. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, there's definitely better Jackie Chan movies. I've, I've seen better Jackie Chan movies. Does it hold up? I would say I would also agree that it probably doesn't hold up in the classical sense. The only argument, although I would recommend people go and check this out. So I would say like, yeah, go. You'll don't be uh, no. expecting anything great as far as like the plot perspective. If, if Kyle ever has a precursor, then you know he's wrong about it. Like, why are we pre-justifying seeing the movie? <laughs> but the, uh, uh, don't expect the plot, but those scenes are going to be great. Just check it out on YouTube. I'm sure it's on YouTube. The only slight argument I think you could make for cultural relevance is that it's the first time he does the uh, bloopers at the end. That was a bit tenuous, I would say, but I mean, yeah. it is the first time he does that. Eh. All right, Dave, we do have to rate this film, but before we do, this is what Dave and I thought. What do you think? I'm sure you have your own thoughts on how you should rate films properly. You can send any feedback to Kyle and Dave vs the machine at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter or Instagram with the handle KDVSTM. Uh, we also occasionally put videos up on our YouTube channel. So go and check us out there if you want to see kind of a mini review of the film that we're talking about here this week. If you want to see the entire list of films that we've watched and the ratings that we've given, you can go to our Letterboxd page, letterboxd.com slash KDVSTM. And if you want to support us monetarily so that we can continue doing this podcast and not usher in the next apocalypse, you can go to our Patreon page. There's a link in the show notes of this episode. You can support for as low as a dollar a month. Something that you can do for absolutely free is to leave a rating and review on whatever app you use for podcasts. So let's get to the rating of the movie. Dave, out of five, what are you going to give Dragon Lord? I think I'm going to give it uh, a two. Mm -hmm. I'm just debating whether I'm going to add a 0.5, but I'm not. I think that I think there's just so many better movies than this. Um, I was also considering putting on an additional 0.5 here uh, for me. Ultimately, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give it a three. I'm going to give it a three because I did. I was entertained by this movie. And I have to be honest about my first time watching of this movie that I left this entertained. I absolutely 100% 
will admit that there's probably better kung fu movies out there. But in the year 2022, having not experienced those yet, that's how I feel. So, sue me, sue me. That does mean, Dave, of course, that it is going to average out to 2.5. So, would you say that this movie is better or worse than Annie? <laughs> better. I would agree with that. So then, <laughs> do you think this is better or worse than Pink Floyd, The Wall? Ooh. I'll put it below The Wall. Whether I enjoy yeah, The I Wall Yeah, I think if not. we keep going back to that, like, does this accomplish yeah, what it's trying movie. to accomplish better? I would say Pink Floyd, The Wall accomplishes what it's trying to do better yeah. than what this movie is doing. So, well, the computer isn't working right now. So <laughs> that is going to be entering into our list at the number... 17 position is where it's going to go into, as you heard, right below Pink Floyd, The Wall, and right above Annie. We should find out what we're reviewing next week, Dave. Let me just push this button. Oh, we get to continue on with a, a comedy, supposedly. Next week is Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Nothing. Steve Martin, Carl Reiner directing. Oh, interesting. I'm trying to think, uh, The Jerk? Is that the only early Steve Martin film I've watched? I didn't even enjoy it that much, to be honest with you. We'll Jerk see. is good. A few years after this, he would have been in uh, a Little Shop of Horrors. Um, Which, and then, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to think, like, is it all of me? Yeah, anyway, I'm a big Steve Martin fan, so we'll talk about his career next time. All right, bring your banjo. Bring my banjo with me. And uh, I'm wondering if this is the movie he does. Because he, did you know that he was supposed to be in Annie? Because we just already brought that up. Oh. He was supposed to be... As Warbucks? No, no, no. He was supposed to be the uh, rooster character... With oh. Bernadette Peters. Huh. But uh, him and Bernadette Peters were dating, broke up, so he dropped out of that movie. Oh, wow. And I don't know if this is the movie he did instead or if that, that has no correlation. I mean, I like him. He wouldn't have saved that movie. No, no, he would not have. No. <laughs> I mean, I like that's the only great. scene that really works great in that movie, too, by the way, is that scene. It's that song. Anyways, yeah. that's what we're watching next week. And um, do you want to make your own flip books? I've been making one here. Did you want to read it? Yeah, what does it say? Uh, it says... <laughs> Let me let me uh, let me flip this again. Oh, it's just you flipping me the middle finger. <laughs> yeah, at the end it says you're wrong. Can we talk about the actual movie?